Hello and welcome to another episode of Unlocking the Mysteries of Autism, where we explain autism and the mysteries behind it. I'm your host, Noah Russell. I'm on the spectrum. My name is Summer Temple, and I have a seven-year-old son on the spectrum. Yep, and so before we go anywhere, we just want to once again explain that we are not ABAs, we are not uh, doctors, we are not professionals in the field. This is coming from merely life experience from a person who is on the spectrum and a parent of a child who is on the spectrum. So just wanted to let you guys know that. So today we're going to explain something a little more personal on on the level here. And um, uh, before we uh, get to our lists, we're going to share some tidbits on what it was on our personal experiences. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a small tidbit on me growing up on the spectrum. So, I was diagnosed <clears throat> in first grade, so maybe like around six, seven years old. But I wasn't told about it until seventh grade. And I remember asking my mom why she took so long, and she actually gave me a very understandable reason, which was I wouldn't have understood it. And I had to pause for a little bit, and I said, okay, fair enough. That That's true. I, I probably... I probably wouldn't have understood it, <clears throat> but when I was told about it, I had so many like reactions going out through my head. I was confused, I was curious, relieved that there was an answer to a lot of questions, but also scared. Because the truth is, when I heard the word syndrome in there, Asperger's syndrome, I, I felt, you know, I words started going off my head, disability stupid, failure, nothing, waste of life and everything. But of course, years later, I figured out it was the exact opposite. Do I have my difficulties? Of course I do. But I am not stupid. I am not a failure. At least I don't think I am. Um, and, no, you're not. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, so I, I go through struggles on a day-to-day basis, just like everyone, but I go through unique struggles, uh, social struggles, you know, uh, day-to-day basis struggles like, like everyone um, and the funny thing is that a lot of people who are on the spectrum have uh, obsessions and the one thing like my very first obsession is trains I absolutely love trains obsessed with them uh, and the, the one of the one of the I guess superpowers in that obsession is that I can look at a, at a train locomotive and immediately identify it so and I can identify train cars and whatnot and I also really love film and movies and stuff, which is why I um, majored in radio and television production at Long Beach City College. So yeah, uh, that's that's kind of that's a condensed version of my um, of my uh, life growing up on the spectrum. So now Summer is going to tell us uh, her experience of raising a child on the spectrum. Summer, raising a child who has a disability is the most rewarding and hardest thing you will ever do. There are days um, when you just are sad and mad and frustrated and then there are those days that you are just so grateful for your child and who they are. I know that one of the hardest parts is having a child with autism. It's not a readily apparent disability and when you're out somewhere People look at the behaviors and they look at how you're handling them and the looks and the judgment you get sometimes that is 
one of the hardest things for me to handle, but the blessing is, is that Lucas, he doesn't even notice, you know, he, he doesn't see any of that. And like I said, in, in a way for him, that is a blessing. And I try to look at Lucas and remind myself to be more like him and not to worry about what else is going on around me and just focus on my child. Yes, and um, <clears throat> I think a lot of parents would agree that um, in order to understand how your child is operating, you have to every once in a while put yourself in their shoes to try to understand their difficulties and their struggles because we, we do go through a lot of difficulties and struggles, but from what you just uh, mentioned, uh, it's definitely, it's rewarding and it has its frustrations, but you wouldn't trade it for anything else in the whole world. I mean, that that kid is your life. Yeah, my yeah. kid, my kids are my life, and my son. You know, I tell him every night when we go to bed, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Yeah, and that's exactly how everybody should feel on the spectrum or not. You are exactly who you're supposed to be. In fact, you know what? It, that's a very Mister Rogers thing to say. I like you exactly who you are. Yeah, and we we all have to remember that uh, we are who we are and we have to accept it. Um, every once in a while, when I go on to um, the Asperger's Facebook group, I see lots of very difficult posts of people going through struggles and uh, you know, just a lot of, just a lot of um, difficulties through life. And, and I see a lot of posts that say something as serious as, I don't want to live anymore because they're going through such hard struggles. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, that they used to be me at some point in my life but you know there's there's always a light at the end of the tunnel but what we have to realize is that we have to walk towards that light that light's not going to come towards us um one of the common things about uh, people who are on the spectrum is that for lack of a better word they complain about how things are not going their way and how they want to change but the problem is they don't do anything about it and the reason behind that is because of fear of failure we take failure very 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 hard i mean even even if it's a small mistake we'll, we'll we'll bash ourselves if we accidentally like if we have a bottle of soda in our hand and we drop it by accident or or if um or if we tie our shoe the wrong way it, it could be anything and we just we're, we're so um self-punishing and we have this inner monologue saying like god you're so stupid and blah blah which we have to stop doing because we're not that and we have to learn to give ourselves a break once in a while so people out there don't don't be afraid to give yourselves a, a break once in a while because it's not really good for your self-esteem you gotta muster up at least enough confidence and self-esteem to operate on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. so now we're going to go into a a list segment which i actually like doing now i like doing all these lists so um, what Summer's going to do is read <clears throat> this list that I compiled of things not to say to a person with Asperger's. Then after this list, we're going to do uh, Summer's list of things not to say to an SP parent. Now, we want you to listen very, very careful about on this because this, um, this is very important information. So, Summer, number one. You don't look like you have it. Okay, so you don't look like you have it. <clears throat> that's um, that's one thing I've heard a lot and that my mom's heard a lot. It's not a visual thing like Down syndrome or cerebral palsy. Um, the only visual about it, quote unquote visual thing about it, is uh, attitude and behavior. 
but there are lots of people with high-function autism that don't have those traits because they function so normally like everyone else that it's not really obvious, so to speak. So Number two, don't use your autism as an excuse. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I'd be Bruce Wayne by now. <laughs> so the truth, here's the thing. It's not an excuse. It's the truth. It's the God's honest truth. Now, I think I've explained this in the last um, uh, episode that um, the only way we can use it as an excuse if we'd say, can you go take out the trash? No, I have autism. I can't do it. That's an excuse. Um, but, you know, when we, uh, like, people ask, why aren't you doing well in school? Or why are you struggling? I have autism. Oh, don't use that as an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's reality. It's what we're, it's what we're going through. And you can't say that we're using it as an excuse because you don't have it. So you don't know. Number three, what's your special ability? <laughs> well, some people will find that flattering. Other people will find that, you know, what, just because I have autism, I have a special ability? Um, I mean, I, I guess stereotypically speaking, uh, there are lots of autistic out there with very special abilities. Like some are really good at painting, some are really good at dancing, some are really good at singing. But to ask that, that's almost like uh, not profiling, but it, it's stereotyping. You don't have empathy. Uh, yes, we do. We do have empathy. Um, uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, we, we have difficulty expressing it because um, for a situation that requires empathy, it's a very difficult and awkward situation. So we do have empathy. Everyone's a little autistic. That is complete... That's, that's completely false. Not everyone's a little autistic. I, I think the reason why people say that is because they want us to feel equal to neurotypicals, uh, which, by the way, neurotypicals are people who are not on the spectrum. I always like to think of that as like a Harry Potter term because, you know, in Harry Potter they say muggles are not magic folk. Well, neurotypicals are the muggles to Asperger's. I would just note on that that, you know, you notice that in the last couple of years they broadened the autistic Right. And things like that. Yeah, so, some of the traits are similar. It's broadly. Yeah. You know? So, um, go away. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, you shouldn't say that to anyone, period. But I heard that a lot in high school. Uh, to, as something as small as, just go away. To, oh my god, go away! You know? Because I'm a friendly person. I like, I like saying hi to people. And all I would get was, go away! Nobody likes you! Number seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Number eight. Yeah. You could be normal if you tried. Okay. There it is right there. You could be normal if you tried. What is normal, ladies and gentlemen? What is normal? But but seriously, though, you could be normal if you tried. Right there, right there, you are completely assuming that we are abnormal, that we're, that we're stupid, or that we have no intelligence. You could be normal if you tried. That, that's... That's another, like an extension of don't use it as an excuse. You know, if we really try. We are trying, but we're trying in a different way. How would you describe autism Asperger? Well, um, now the reason why that list is on there is because, um, I mean, that is a completely valid question, but um, but the reason why you shouldn't ask that is it's because it's... Um, you're kind of bringing up a sore subject because there's a lot of people who are very embarrassed about it and they don't want to explain it. So 
Tread carefully is what I'm saying on that one. What is the best thing about being autistic? Well, again, um, that is another valid question, but you shouldn't ask that because a lot of people would say there is no good thing about being autistic. It's it's horrible. It's a curse. It's the worst, you know? So you got to be careful in who you ask that. Is it a disease? Huh. No, it is not a disease in any way, shape, or form. Because back in the day, it was actually originally called uh, Asperger's disease, ASD, Asperger's syndrome disease. And it is not a disease. And uh, see, when you think disease, you think contagious sickness. And it is not any of those things at all. So no, it is not a disease. Look at me. Uh-huh. There you go, right there. Look at me. Um, so the reason why that's in there is um, uh, autistics have trouble with uh, eye contact. It's awkward, it feels constraining, and it feels like we're in trouble. So saying, look at me, it, you're, you're just wasting your breath. If you can remember all that, why can't you apply that in school? Uh-huh, another thing, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that. Uh, well, the answer is plain and simple. My, my brain does not work like that. Well, make it work like that. Okay, then I'll just tell birds to swim and fish to fly. See, when you're telling an autistic person to make your brain work like that, you might as well be telling a fish to fly. So. You're 14? 14. You're weird. Uh-huh. Now, again, that's that, you shouldn't say that to anybody, but saying that to an autistic person, that right there is just hitting it below the belt. I mean, here's the thing. Bullying is wrong, period. But bullying somebody, not just with Asperger's, but with a disability, that is an all-time low. And saying you're weird, that's just that's just mean in so many ways, shape, and form. Okay, next up is um, is a summer is going, or I'm gonna read a list of uh, that summer brought um, things not to say to an Aspie parent. And number one is he she doesn't look autistic. Well, like I said earlier, um, autism is not uh, a disability that is readily apparent, and it can easily be misinterpreted as beha um, behavioral or tantrums, or the child is not disciplined enough, um, but it doesn't matter. Um, they are who they are, and they may not be readily apparent to you, but it is very readily apparent to the family around them, that they are autistic, and that they can need your help to figure out how to lead their best lives while being autistic. Number two is, my kid does that too. Yeah, you know, this was a big one for me when, before Lucas got diagnosed, I was looking at some of his behavior and thinking about Jasmine, and saying, well, Jasmine does that too. She does that too. But I would say that um, what I didn't understand, and what I'd like a lot of other parents to understand, is that it's the degree of it. It's the intensity of it. There are a lot of things that Lucas does that reminds me of myself, but he takes it to a whole different level than yeah. I do. Yeah, and it actually says right here in the comment, you know, stop comparing neurotypical kids to ours. There's, there's, there's no comparison. And there's even no comparison between um, kids that are on the spectrum. I mean, it's a spectrum for a reason. Mm -hmm. And there's no comparison between those kids as well. Exactly. Three 
is, have you tried fill in the blank? Oh, yes. That's, that one's always interesting. Have you tried the gluten-free diet? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? I know, and I really appreciate people trying to be helpful and trying in a way to relate to it. And But trust me, I've done, oh, I've done tons of research. I've looked into all those methods. I've you know, um, talked with them about it with this therapist and this psychologist. And, and at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. There's, and... no, there's no ch necessarily changing it. It's helping Lucas learn to adapt and, and live in the world that we all live in. Yeah, and kind of an extension to that is, um, is actually one thing that my mom uh, suggested, which, thank you, by the way, um, he'll grow out of it. Yeah, I know. And uh, guys, just a quick tidbit. It's nothing to grow. It's not a phase. It's permanent. It's something you're born with. It's permanent. It's there to stay. There, there's no growing out of it or anything. All right, next is, and th this one is really bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. This one is so hard because mm -hmm. you, you know the person is trying to sympathize with you, yeah. but on the inside you just, you're just seething because you're thinking, why? Why are, why are you sorry? There's nothing to be sorry about. I mean, my child, he's alive, he's healthy, he's happy, you know? Um, there are a lot more things to be grateful for with him than not. And when I hear I'm sorry or I get those looks of pity from other parents, I just... That's just uh, unnecessary. It is, because I don't feel sorry for myself, and I certainly don't feel sorry for my son. So, um, while I appreciate people trying to connect and, and show that, it's just, it just causes more harm than good. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> and this one doesn't make too much sense, but God only gives you what you can handle. Oh, yeah. Once again, going back to people trying to, to sympathize and to connect with you, but in the end, um, we are all given things that we can handle and I don't know that's a tough one yeah definitely um, now a couple other things that I wanted to also add was that, that my mom <coughs> mentioned was uh, yeah he'll grow out of it and the other one is you know he doesn't look like he, he has it guys I, I just want to make this perfectly clear saying things like that to parent or or someone that's just downright insulting and I'm sorry to say but it also makes you sound ignorant too because you know don't talk about a subject that you have zero knowledge in don't assume don't make assumptions don't make statements ask asking is totally fine now of course you got to be careful of what you ask but asking is completely fine and it's suggested to ask questions don't ask mean questions like, you know, oh, is he in special ed or, or, or anything like that. But, you know, ask, um, you know, if you ask how do they operate, I mean, that's fine. That, that, that's fine. You can ask how they how they operate. But but don't say, oh, so he must be in special ed or, oh, so he must have temper tantrums or, oh, he must be a brat. No, don't do that. Yeah, and I think one other one uh, that also sometimes they, I still understand that when people say to me, wow, you're a super mom. And it's like, well, no, I'm just a mom, you know? It's um, flattering. 
it, it is flattering, but it's like, no, I'm just a mom who loves her child unconditionally and would do anything for them. And, you know, that's when, one thing I would say is the greatest blessing of having a child who is on the spectrum is the pure, unconditional love you get from them. Um, you know, they, they show it in different ways. They may say it in different ways. But at the end of the day, um, there's just there's just love and acceptance, and yeah. no judgment, no no nothing. Yeah. And speaking as someone who's on the spectrum, I I will admit that when you're dealing with someone on the spectrum, it kind of feels like you're walking on eggshells. And for that, for me personally, I apologize. I know I, I can have a trippy trigger at times, and lots of other people can. But you know what? Um, if you here's the thing. If you want to earn our respect, talk to us, not at us, not down to us. Talk to us. Talk equally to us. Look at us. Don't look down at us. You know, don't talk at us. Talk to us normally. You know, don't don't talk to us like we're a fragile little kid. You know, don't talk to us. You know, like like we're deaf or something. We're normal people. Like in the last podcast, one of the myths that we talked about was that just because there's no eye contact doesn't mean understanding exactly and that's completely untrue um just because there's no eye contact doesn't mean that feelings aren't being hurt or thoughts aren't being processed or or any of that and we need to remember everyone has feelings no matter if you're autistic or not um there are still feelings and emotions there that are real and a struggle every day right also another thing i wanted to add was um for uh for the autistic folk who love to talk, there are there are a lot of autistic people out there who love talking. There are some people out there who do not like to talk. So when an autistic person um, strikes up conversation with you, it may be a subject that you have like no interest uh, in or anything. But here's the thing: if they are doing that, just smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> but because um, um, I think the the one thing that'll make them feel really bad is when you say something like. I don't care. Do not do that. I mean, it's rude, period. But doing that to an autistic person, that that's just that's just low, and they'll just you know contritely walk away with their tail between their legs, and that's something that you don't want because you kind of crush their um, what's the word? You, you kind of you kind of crush their confidence a little bit because um, it, it is hard to strike up conversation. So just smile and wave, boys. But, but also, I mean, if you really are interested in the uh, in the subject, then, you know, just listen. Ask questions and stuff, you know? Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, but but uh, what I really think about it is it is a little, it was kind of bad advice. Don't, don't just smile and wave. But, um, but, you know, just show interest. You know, try to show interest. And, you know, try to engage within the subject. Because, you know something? Whenever you talk to a person on the spectrum, you'll learn something new every day. Uh, we... Uh, we're, we we have all sorts of information in our heads, and, and some of the information is intriguing. I'm like, oh, I never knew that. That's so cool. You know, I I love talking about movie trivia, and people, you know, like that's that's interesting. I, I had no idea because a lot of a lot of crazy stuff happens behind uh, behind the scenes of TV shows and movies. Well, let me tell you, I've learned a lot about dinosaurs and trains because <laughs> those are my sons two things that he absolutely adores and yep. so um, I have definitely learned more about those things than I 
ever thought I would. Yeah, and when people ask, how do you know all that? One answer, research. I mean, we, we do it, everyone else does it. It's called research. You know, we, we don't just pull that out of our heads. We, we learn it. And sometimes we listen to it over and over and over again just to memorize it. And I know there are other parents out there with kids that do not have disabilities. I know that you want to connect and be there for your friends, um, friends that do have kids with disabilities. And I would say the best thing you can do is just sometimes offer a shoulder mm -hmm. or an ear to listen or just offer help. You know, can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? Um, and in, in offering that help and in giving that help, that is where you will gain most understanding. Yes, and, and also for those, um, for those on the spectrum who are having difficulties in life that need a slight kick in the pants, you know, uh, you know a, a lot of people, you know, try to, you know, wake people up by giving them a, a kick in the pants, and that could work in some ways. But you really have to be careful how you kick an Aspie in the pants because, you know, to, just to try to, you know, push them in the right direction. You have to be careful with that because they could take it the wrong way. You could, they, they could take it as you're criticizing them or chastising them or calling them lazy or something like that. If you want to uh, inspire someone with Asperger's, do it in a, in a calm, equal, easy way and, you know, just... Um, tell them the rewards behind behind the actions because that's one thing that we respond to is the reward the rewardness of of actions. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, d don't be all drill sergeanty or tough love on the kids. Don't coddle them either. Do not coddle them, but don't give them the drill sergeant tough love. Give them a combination between the two because if you just give them tough love, that'll just force them to rebel. If you coddle them, you'll spoil them. So give them a, a solid combination between the two and they will be fine. Yes, and parents, um, when you look at different ABA therapy or other forms of ABA therapy, you know, one thing that amazed me when, um, going through it with my son was a realization that really what, I mean, don't get me wrong, ABA therapy is a lot of work, a lot of strategy involved, but also what it really comes down to is it's like parenting I don't say parenting 101 but it's it's just at your top of your game parenting um, yeah. it's a consistency more than anything um, that is what you can provide your child is consistency in your behavior consistency in their routine and then during that where therapy can help is helping your child learn that when there isn't that consistency is not there or when things don't go the way they want or when they fail at something or yeah. feel they fail at something therapy steps in to help them um, learn how to cope with that and deal with it and move past it yeah now as much as you don't like to hear the super mom term let let me tell you you are a pretty darn good mom to this to this kid because he he has all the love in the world and my my parents are the most loving people in the world, and I and I thank God for them because I stumbled across a show called World Strictest Parents, um, where where we see a bunch of parents across the globe how how they run a tight ship. And whenever I see those episodes, I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't have those kinds of parents. You know, my my parents actually uh, looked at me as an equal rather than you know just um, a mate on the ship. You know, they 
they they didn't look at me as as a you know somebody just to boss around and punish for no reason. So. And I think that's the greatest thing a parent can give their child is to look at them and let them know I see you for you. I see you for who you are, and I value you, and I love you. Um, I think when I found out that Lucas was diagnosed, one of the hardest things I struggled with was this idea and notion that that's all Lucas was going to be. That people were just going to look at him and be like, oh, he's autistic, and just write him off. And that the smart, funny, sweet, kind little boy I know is in there would just be lost in that label of being autistic. And it took me a long time to to realize that, that, you know, that doesn't matter with everyone else because all that matters is how I treat him, how our family treats him. And we treat him um, as if he's just a member of our family. Absolutely. And nothing more, nothing less. Now, before we do wrap up, I want to quickly um, give a shout out to the LBCC Foundation. Um, they have um, the uh, DSPS program, the Disabled Student Services Program, and um, they have really, over the years, cracked down on helping out uh, students with disabilities, whether it's uh, autism or cerebral palsy or deaf or blind or, or, or anything of that nature. And they have lots of great accommodations. They have uh, they have students that volunteer as note takers. You can take tests in alternate locations. You can um, choose to uh, record the lectures and whatnot. And they have all sorts of accommodations. So for those of you who actually want to get a college education at Long Beach City College, I strongly recommend that you know if you are on the spectrum, uh, register to uh, the Disabled Student Services. Uh, Summer here is on the board, right? Isn't that right? Uh, uh, for LBCC Foundation. Yes, for, yeah, and, but, but you are aware of the DSPS department, Yes. and you would agree that they do a, a really good job. Yes, and I would also note that Cal State Long Beach, too, has done a phenomenal job. They have a um, whole center for um, not just special needs kids, but specifically kids on the spectrum. They give them tours of the campus. They offer a support group. They teach them how to do their finances, um, really just life lessons. You know, one of the hardest things, I don't know, you can speak more of this than I, but I would imagine one of the hardest things about going to college is that for a long time you had an, an IEE plan, you had support, you had counselors and therapists and your parents, and then all of a sudden you turn 18 and it's like, wait, where'd you all go? Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know what? <clears throat> it's That's that's correct because from 7th to 12th grade I had a one-on-one aide with me. She didn't do everything for me. She did a good portion of it, but the fact that, you know, I went to college and it was all on me. I was terrified, and I thought, you know what? I'm an adult now. It's time to start doing things on my own. And that crashed and burned pretty easily because I, I everything was on me now. And I actually had to take a semester off because I was so overwhelmed. And then I went back uh, spring of 2014, and things started going a little more smoothly as time went on. But a lot of the um, GED classes I really struggle with like math and history and science and all that stuff so I don't know it's just so school is not for everybody I'm, I'm just gonna be honest school is not for everybody and um, if uh, you know don't be ashamed if you're a college dropout I mean if you're a high school dropout go back and get your GED but if you're a college dropout if that if that was really the best thing for you hey power to you you know my dad always said that college is not for everyone 
and that it takes many different people and talents to make the world go round and to always remember that everyone is different and to recognize and value people for what they can give to the community. Yes, and employers, a little word of advice. Do not write off a potential employee if they're, one, if they're on the spectrum, and two, if they don't have a college degree. Just because we don't have a college degree doesn't mean we can't do it. I think that's a future podcast for us. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, guys, thanks again for listening. Sorry for the delay in between episodes. Things happen. We're going to try to get as many episodes as we can. But, of course, life happens. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to Noah. The reason why we had a little delay is that Noah went out and got a job all on his own. I did, yes. Great job, Noah. That can be Thank very you. intimidating and hard to go sit in an interview and put yourself out there like that. But um, I'm so proud of you Thank for you. for going out there and striving to get a job and to find your, your place and your niche. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And I also do have uh, an audition uh, for a commercial uh, on Sunday at the, at the Long Beach Talent Center. So... Let's see how that goes. But anyway, get, anyways, guys, thanks for uh, listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm Noah Russell. I'm Summer Temple. And this was Unlocking the Mysteries of Autism. Stay tuned for episode three.